Duppy Media is a Taunton web development business guaranteed to bring your web projects to life. From one-page sites to full e-commerce enabled web builds, Duppy Media can give your company the edge you know it deserves. Call Mark at Duppy Media for e-commerce web hosting, new builds and website additions. You will find Mark's personalised and tailored service the perfect partner for injecting some sparkle into your company's website and at a very competitive price. Visit www.duppymedia.co.uk for more information. Hello and welcome to a very special episode 13 of Straight from the Hot Tap. This episode was recorded in two parts. We have a fascinating conversation with Johnny Manners, producer and artistic director for the BBC and an old friend, followed by one of the more ridiculous discussions we've ever had about whether to collaborate or not with a rather interesting company, or hold out for the big boys, so to speak. Matt definitely doesn't want to read your script, yet more cats, and we discuss the perils of water sports. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a like or share, or why not head over to Podchaser to leave us a review. If you didn't enjoy it, well then why not go water skiing in the lake wearing only a swimsuit? I'm Matt. And I'm Lou. I'm John. I am Josh. And I'm Matt. And this is Straight Straight from the Hot Setter. Oh god, it's all started again. I think it's going to be one of those recordings. Oh god. I'll kick it off with with the advert I made from last time. New to Taunton, a right royal ten-pin treat. Inspired by and in honour of the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, this is a brand new concept in ten-pin bowling. Traditional bowling alleys are hideous beyond words. I mean, they were round and bulging and they offensive. You know. But this one blends the best of marriage of art and manufacturing and engineering to bring you an ultra-modern industrial theme design with unique features inspired by the House of Windsor and the Duke himself. Cut the ribbon to enter. Each alleyway is themed with the far corners of the Commonwealth. The heads of the pins reflect the enemies of the British Empire and also Nicholas Witchell. This bowling alley experience promises to be just a bit better than the ordinary. Visit www.bowlofferheads.com for more information. Brilliant. Oh, my God. Well done. Oh, my God. That is is so good. Matt, you need to change career, man. You're wasted in recruitment. Or also concentrate on one career. (laughs) Like the one that pays. Does that constitute an act of of traitorness? Treason. 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 Treasonous. Treasonous. <laughs> Thank you. That's the word. <laughs> I'm going to be hauled into treasonous gate by my, yeah. by my testicles and beheaded on the lawn of, of the Tower of London. Let's hope not. That wouldn't be a good look. I hinted at this in a, in a WhatsApp message, but I received possibly the most ridiculous collaboration request. So anyway, I got an email from a guy called Nick. So, hey... <laughs> This is Nick from Smooth My Balls. <laughs> this is deadly serious, right? I mean, I'm not making this up. This is I all make, on I, the I, same theme tonight, right? I've <laughs> made up a lot of shit over, over the years, but this is deadly serious. So right now we're looking for some people to promote and review our trimmer for balls and body. <laughs> we, oh, jeez. We, we truly... <laughs> we, just, we just hoped for I mean, so much better, didn't we? Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was expecting, I don't know, <laughs> Pfizer to come knocking, you know. <laughs> Morgan Stanley wanting me to front their latest international campaign. But no, it smooths my balls. They truly believe they have the best product and they want to prove it. So they want, <laughs> so they're willing to give us. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, we promote that trimmer. But this is the best bit, right? So for every for, for everyone that uses the code that we uh, that we promote on the podcast, they'll give us a kickback of thirty five percent. Oh my goodness! They want to send us a, a trimmer um, so that we can test it, review it, and use a site such as Instagram to tag them in it. This isn't going to be and, the communal um, um, ball shaver, is it? Yeah, no. They're, they're also <laughs> going to give us a, a pube muncher, hedge clippers, <laughs> and twenty dollars <laughs> off the turf chopper. This is genuine, absolutely genuine. That doesn't sound like the way to smooth balls. That sounds like a, a turf chopper. Sounds really painful. <laughs> It's made so, like rusty spoons or something. So, so yeah. So the funniest thing of all, I think, is that, and it's basically this this sort of mat that you put between your legs to catch the pubes as you trim them. Oh my god, like, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the and the, and the pube muncher is this, like it's basically it's basically some strong acid to to make what? sure that you can wash the pubes down the sink once you've chopped them. Oh. I'm not even making this up. Is this a Taunton-based company? <laughs> I'm not quite sure how we bring the, the Taunton angle to this, if I'm brutally honest. Matt mentioned it to me. I was like, right, I've, I've got to look into the reviews on this. So I did, and I've never laughed so much in ages. So I'll read this review to you about Smooth My Balls. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so... Uh, my balls have never been so fresh. Just <laughs> have you started reading the review yet? <laughs> yes, I have. Oh, okay, sorry, just check. Just had to have a morning dump and thought, why? What? Um, why not oh, do something God. productive whilst I'm waking up? Out came my turf trimmer, whipped it out like a Wild West cowboy. Never thought my balls would be so silky smooth, and my girl has never been happier. Took quite a while to get round the whole area. That's probably due to the fact I have to carry around a giant sack all day. <laughs> Five stars from Shut me. Up. Would recommend to anyone. Thanks again, guys. It's <laughs> like the the Father Christmas of balls. So, so there we go, guys. If I'm honest, I think we could probably hold out for for something a little bit better. Oh my God, no! It's like so typical podcast. Are they are they sending you some complimentary units to for us to try? Well, yeah, that that was the idea that they sent they they sent me a turf chopper. Turf chopper, yeah, that was it. And I can promote it, and I'll give you a special code so that we can then promote it on the podcast, so that when other people use that code, they get a discount and we get a kickback. Are they sending just one map? Because if the idea is that we all use it in sequence, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going okay. to opt out. That's <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll maybe go first. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe, yeah, maybe we could like get a volunteer from our vast listeners to to do it for us, perhaps. But do we know anybody that's that's particularly hairy that would definitely benefit from this kind of smooth balls? Yeah, I wonder. So when I looked at the reviews for smooth my balls, I kind of got stuck in this wormhole of ball shaving reviews. I came across some absolute brilliant ones. Were you really stuck there, or did you just sort of browse willingly, or what? What was the <laughs> Can you? It was kind of intriguing. Oh, I was held against my will in a world of ball shaving. There's a UK-based one. It says, complete rip-off. There is nothing special about this product. 
It's a basic trimmer with no difference to anyone else. Safe stack technology is a total <laughs> mis-sell. It's nothing. <laughs> and then the next one is waste of money. My balls look like a murder scene. <laughs> Sack safe technology, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is absolute garbage my Philips one blade does the job much more efficient and less painful I'm bleeding from three different places oh, as a result oh of using the balls trimmer please oh. don't waste your money it will leave you sliced and diced <laughs> it's, got a, it's got a 1900 rotations per minute spec and 8 hours of battery life I mean wow. that's just that's a torture scene right there. Yeah, eight hours. How long would it take, crikey? <laughs> well, the guy who wrote in earlier. I mean, maybe he he would have taken the full time. Oh, the Christmas. Trim <laughs> a fully grown bear with this by the sounds of it. <laughs> Do we give them a shout out or? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I'll I'll make them an advert for next time. I think. Oh yeah. I might even put some live sound effects in. Well, actual live ones. Actual, actual slicing and dicing. Yeah. Oh god. The screams. So yeah. So obviously Matt's not part of the session. He's doing this session in two parts. Matt is in in Puerto Rico. And was unable to attend. A uh, big part of the truncated session last time around was because Matt had to go and buy a pair of shoes to go with his uh, white suit. The podcast is a is, is something you listen to rather than visualize. But he did send us a picture of his suit. I think it's only right that we describe this suit for the listeners because it was something to behold there's a lot of saturday night fever going into that suit with a splash of scarface how would you describe it johnny how would you describe that suit it's quite pimpy isn't it i mean it's a, it's a three-piece suit with matching matching jacket tie and and shirt from from the picture he wears it pretty well i have to say he looks very at ease with the look and he's and, smoking um, an enormous cigar it was a big cigar, that, wasn't it? I think the shirt had tassels as well. I have this vision of it having the kind of cuffs that you'd expect in, that Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen would wear or a resident of uh, the, the Chateau of Versailles. So kind of expected the sleeves of his actual jacket to be rolled up a couple of times. Yeah. I couldn't work out whether it was Miami Vice or Oscar Wilde. I think Miami Vice, because I, I think from the cut of it, it looks like he's concealing several weapons. Um <laughs> You know, several semi-automatic pistols and maybe um, some explosives. Wow. Maybe it's the sort of thing you wear after you've just had your balls smoothed by the turf chop. <laughs> Honestly, just because we've been talking about this now, I've just gone on Facebook and the first ad that's come up is Manscaped. Upgrade your grooming routine with the perfect package. Well, you'd have the perfect package after you'd done some Manscaping, wouldn't you? But not personally, no, but yeah. Actually, so Johnny, I was thinking of you today. You must be getting the, the old kite surf board out again now. You know, the weather's a bit better. I'm just waxing it down, man, as we speak, and just tightening up the lines, just checking the pigtails, pumping it up, all that stuff. I prefer to wax uh, rather than trim and shave. Um... <laughs> you need a smooth stick when you're out there on the waves. <laughs> Any surfer will tell you that. When you were learning to kite surf, did you have many accidents? Oh man, yes, I did. I had. I, I think that's the only way you can learn, man. Is you you have to go through you have to go through a lot of pain. So in fact, there's I'll t I'll try and find it, but there's even a photo of me being like dragged 
headlong in midair over like a coral reef where I learned to oh, uh, like, yeah that is extreme ball waxing that is isn't it there was some there was some there was not a lot of hair left on me <laughs> at the end of it or, or, skin. or skin or skin yeah. exactly <laughs> I've been trying to teach myself to, to paddleboard so I bought a bought a paddleboard a couple of weeks back and to the untrained eye paddleboarding looks pretty easy okay yeah it really fucking isn't easy you need a lot of core strength. <laughs> you need a lot of core strength. Yeah. You do, and a very flat uh, surface. Yeah. Well, this is. I was on a very flat lake yesterday. I think the main problem I have is that that my my center of gravity is a little higher than most people's. Partly because I'm tall. Partly because the only way I can, I guess, you could describe my my general physique is a tangerine stuck on a cocktail stick. So every time I got even remotely upright. I stacked it. What you need is that to be that Father Christmas guy from earlier on. Some good pendulum balancing effect. Yeah, I do. I think <laughs> I think I need on. to. I need to fashion myself a keel of some sort and strap a couple of tons of lead to the to the fin on the bottom of my board. But it was getting both painful and also humiliating when there was a load of dog walkers getting a cup of coffee and sitting on a bench to to enjoy the show of me repeatedly stacking it into the water. <laughs> I, I'm literally just black and blue with bruises today. And the worst part of all of this was, right, I finally got myself standing and I finally got a little bit of momentum moving. And I made the mistake of saying to Christian, my, my son, who was also paddleboarding with, with consummate ease, Hey Christian, look, I'm upright, and the first thing he did was knock me off. <laughs> I've been, I, I spent hours going through all kinds of pain, like father, like son. I'd and say. he just, he just, he just took one look at me on my board and just swam over and just pushed me off. I was like, oh, <laughs> brilliant! I'd love to have seen that. Yeah, kite surfing is a whole other ball game. It's seriously dangerous, isn't it? There's a lot of safety things you have to you have to be aware of. You know, some of them are just sort of same as sailing, so you have to sort of know, you know, the wind and the the tidal conditions and all of that. But the, the main problem is you have to be able to control the power. And so if you can't sort of meter out the power correctly, then you're, you're either going to go nowhere or you're going to go somewhere where you don't want to extremely <laughs> fast. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, where, that's where a bit of practice helps. So I've eaten a lot of sand. When you first started doing it, I remember you talking and saying that you, you sort of face planted so quickly, you basically didn't even have time to close your eyes. You, <laughs> you sort of got like, sort of salt water jet wash behind your eyeballs. Yeah. Was, yeah. There was lots of that. Like it was like an, oct- an ocular scrub. Basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, been welding without a mask on or something um, but yeah yeah and, and also when you're going quite fast the water is just like it's quite hard there's no giving it you just you just you just smash it down so you, some people wear helmets and stuff but um um, the, what the I'm, sensible one yeah i'm sort of a bit more old school I, i've never worn a helmet you just got me thinking about this ridiculous water sports story. My, my sister, she was um, when she was first going out with her now husband, they were out in Florida. They went out on, onto a lake water skiing. So it's obviously quite hot over in Florida. So you're generally just wearing you know, a swimming costume. So yeah, they have one of those poles that stick out the side of the boat rather than on the old rope, you know, to get, to get her up and, and going. And water skiing is one of those things that looks a lot easier than it is. She's going along on this, on this boat and she's um, holding this pole and trying to get get up on skis and it's finding it really difficult and the boat kept going faster and she kept on sort of basically collapsing and her skis out in front of her and her ass in the water basically 
that she finally kind of got, got the hang of it a little bit and they put her out on the rope behind the boat. The same thing kept happening. She couldn't quite get up on the board. She kept being dragged along in the water. And yeah, she, she finally let go, <laughs> she let go of the, the rope and then suddenly realised that she'd basically, through being dragged along at 30 miles an hour by her ass, effectively, in the water, <laughs> it had basically given her a, 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 an extremely violent enema. So, so this is her, her, her new partner, right? So, so she's in, she let go of the rope and she's in the water and the boat's got its way back. And like, she literally had no choice but to absolutely empty herself. And then, oh yeah, God. yeah. But it's really hard to swim when you've got water skis on. So she desperately tried oh to swim God. out out of the slick of turd. Meanwhile, <laughs> the boat with her new boyfriend and his family are coming, are coming back towards her. <laughs> and, yeah, they just pulled up alongside her and she's just there bobbing around in a, in a pool of shit, basically. Like, oh so humiliated. They've just been yeah, vi- given a violent enema in the middle of Florida oh Lake. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, that's- what was their reaction? Do you know what their reaction was when they finally got alongside her? But it's a reasonably common occurrence in the water skiing fraternity, so they found it funny, but also, yeah, it wasn't a total surprise. So, guys, big news that we hit 700 downloads today. That's, That's punchy, isn't it? On that is punchy. Yeah. Is this kind of like, you know, a hospital radio type of situation, do you think? Where <laughs> is it sort of a voluntary download? or Yeah, so when you're... When you're lying in your bed, dying of coronavirus, you can listen to stories of forced enemas. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have any choice to change the channel. Well, I keep those downloads coming. There's a lot of people that have got way more episodes out, do a whole lot more marketing, and have half of that number. So, Is that because they sold out and took the smooth my balls dollar? <laughs> no, it's probably because they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Our numbers would be so streamlined, they would glide up. It won't be the only thing that's streamlined, yeah. It's definitely a sort of, you know, a, a kind of attention-grabbing opener, isn't it? You know, this podcast is brought to you by Smooth My Balls, the, <laughs> the number one ball-smoothing implement. Let's explore it, I say. Let's go for it. You guys go for it. <laughs> I, I, I do notice on their websites, which I've been browsing here, is if it all goes wrong, they've got like a little Vaseline pot of something called ball balm do they also <laughs> supply that with the tester kit but the ball is ball balm that would probably be you know like a kind of ointment after the turf trimmer's taken a few chunks out of you isn't it probably, <laughs> it's probably... <laughs> when the, when it's sliced and diced you you have oh. to put your ball balm on oh. <laughs> easy for you to say lou come on yeah <laughs> This is Straight From The Hot Tap, special guest interviews. Johnny, amazing to have you on the call. How long has it been now since we spoke? Um, I reckon it's been 22, 23 years, yeah. That's, that is properly nuts, isn't it? Is it true that you're a paid assassin now? <laughs> uh, if only. So I was one of the five people who was tested for plutonium after Litvinenko got poisoned. I was in the same bar. Really? No way. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm absolutely serious. It was in a Somerset paper. Somerset musician in KGB spy poison probe was their kind of the front cover, which was a bit pathetic at the time. But yeah, I'd been to the Millennium Mayfair Hotel for some drinks and then started to feel really sick. 
and ended up being taken into the same ward as him in hospital. No yeah. way. Yeah, oh with uh, armed guards on the door and everything. As I walked in, the, the doctor um, shook my hand and I said, you're brave shaking my hand. And he said, no, Mr. Manners, if you knew who my other patient was, you're brave shaking mine. <gasps> no way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. So there we are, in with the big stuff straight away. Yeah. Wow. That was, That's amazing. Uh, smiling. So did you actually have some, some poisoning from it then? Was were you actually? No, I didn't. I th- well, I don't know. I didn't feel very well for a, a few days. And you didn't, a bit of you didn't have the fish and, and chips in the restaurant, did you? I didn't have the fish and chips. What they think might have happened was is that I had, I'd had a drink in the bar that had probably been in the same dishwasher as the teapot that had had the plutonium in it. No way. Yeah, or she she wasn't the ten drinks she had in the bar. Yeah, it was the ten. Basically, I was hungover. (laughs) (laughs) So there was most elaborate hangover excuse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a good one for getting you off. Exactly, getting you off work. My God, have you listened to any of the previous episodes? Yeah, I had. I caught up on it. To Pillar and Alan, which was oh yeah, and I've I listened to their little bit of a rant about Prince Philip and about Meghan and I listened oh, yeah. I've enjoyed it I've enjoyed Good it stuff. Like, yeah nice walk down memory lane absolutely yeah so I thought it'd be really cool to get you on because one of the themes that we've had over the, the the last few episodes really has been you know just our kind of journey through through life from from our Taunton beginnings really I think we kind of based the podcast idea in Taunton more to give it some grounding it's proved to be quite an interesting kind of metaphor for that seed that was nurtured and then you know, sent off into the big wide world. And all of the, the people that have been involved with this, with, with the slight exception of, of Lou, who was too busy, being the, being part of the landed gentry up in Cheshire. Um, oh <laughs> and I was really interested to talk to you because I followed your career a little bit through LinkedIn and the old Facebook thing. And yeah, you've done some really interesting things since we, we last saw you. I'm glad it, I'm glad it sounds interesting. So obviously, you know, we we all parted ways in 1997 or whenever it was, with very little idea about what we were going to do next and, and how life was going to pan out. And in a roundabout way, here we are, I suppose. You know, what was your journey from from that point forward? You know, wh- where did you take yourself, and and how did you get to where you are today? In a nutshell, so I left school, and your dad, of course, was my housemaster, who I must yeah. have been one of his more frustrating pupils because I didn't work very hard at all uh, <laughs> and I left I left school with not many credible grades and then I decided for a while well I thought I'd, I'd have a go at being a singer so I went to music college to do singing and then I kind of realized when I was at college that only a few people get to do that profession and to do it really well and so I decided that I would go into the management side of things. So I went into music management and then I worked for a record label, for a classical music record label. And then I decided, well, actually, what I should do is start my own record label, which I did. And then wow. ended up having worked at an opera company. I, I got a job for a broadcaster. And that's what I do now in a nutshell. Wow. That's, that's 23 years. And have you always stayed within the classical field? Because obviously, you know, we, we sang together at school, didn't we, in the yeah, we Choir did. and Chorus Society uh, for quite a few years. And, you know, I knew you were a talented singer back then, but obviously music's such a broad and eclectic area to work in, isn't it? Did, did, you know, was the classical thing something that you planned to do from an early age and, and, and you know, just, just followed that course? Or was it something that you sort of fell into? Uh, I, I, I guess I stayed in classical because I don't think I would have been much good at anything else. I kind of... Uh, <laughs> It's only been classical, like my job now, I get to, very occasionally, you get to kind of work mm. with 
artists from different genres, uh, which is really yeah. cool, but it's mostly classical. Wow, awesome. So apart from obviously the Litvinenko business, yeah. there must have been some pretty big highlights of your life and time since 1997. Yeah. What's the one thing that sticks in your mind where you thought, wow, I can't believe I'm actually doing this? I did, uh, yeah, I did some recordings with Laura Mavula. That was quite cool. I did that on, on my first day in my job, I bumped into Elton John. Which no way. Like, yeah, which felt like an exciting place to be. Um, but like, I don't know, because working for a broadcaster and kind of doing stuff on a weekly basis, like every now and again, you stop and think this is this is really cool. And even last year, like there was quite a big deal about the fact that the last night of the proms, there was no one there. So being in the Albert Hall with no one there, apart from wow. performers, felt pretty surreal and pretty, pretty good. No and it's only like when you talk to other people about what you do that you realize yeah. how exciting it is and you know it's not just music as well so we do quite a lot of drama stuff as well and kind of collaborating with people we did a project at christmas with alan bennett and getting yeah. to write some stuff that was going into that show felt pretty cool wow that's awesome so do you have do you have to kind of if you like forge your own path or is there a, a wider strategy and agenda that you're following uh, as you go through was it very much you're the one that has to come up with the ideas for the, the various productions yeah i mean i the way i look at it is is that because i do all the programming as well so i kind of a lot of the time i'll think to myself i'd really love the opportunity to work with this person what could that project be and then try and manufacture it and and so that's quite nice being able to do that with coming up with ideas i don't think there's a path to get kind of got here by accident really just like when i started the record label it was you know i found personally with my cv that it was was going to be more what i did for extracurricular stuff what stuff i did for myself that would get me somewhere rather than like being qualified to do it. That's wow. kind of how it's worked, really. That's awesome. So looking back at those days then, what are your recollections of being in Taunton in your teen? I, it's amazing because I look back on it really fondly. Yeah. And I think it's probably rose-tinted spectacles now because I think it's changed quite a lot over the last decade. Because originally, like I was brought up in Western Supermare. So like Taunton yeah. felt, felt like going to Knightsbridge. It felt <laughs> it felt dead classy. Like we went down to Torsons yeah. and it was like, oh, county stores. That's Harrods, wow. uh, you know. <laughs> so I it, it felt it felt really nice. And obviously the cricket club was there, and I used to go yeah. watch cricket. It's just full of warm memories, really. And like yeah. I just remember those kind of days, especially in sixth form of when you get a bit more freedom, being able to go out and get, go into the pub, and it just feeling like a really good time to be there and really exciting and really nice it, it's 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 good stuff yeah i i know exactly how you, how you feel because i've from a very small place as well um i was brought up in radstock of all places which is not far from wells which really is the, the arse end of nowhere uh and obviously from the isle of wight um alongside that with um with my, with my mum's background and yeah i i felt the same thing i remember the first time i even went into taunton being really quite kind of bowled over by how much there seemed to be to do and all the shops and the lights and all that sort of stuff. And yet other people, Matt, um, you know, talked talk at great length about the, the opposite experience having come from London into Taunton. You know, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, that's a bit weird. I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like after and that like people going to school with who'd come from, you know, places like London. It must have felt a little bit weird. Yeah, yeah. I think looking back, I'm so pleased. I think that someone said this on your podcast before. I'm so pleased that 
I went through it when there was no social media, there were no oh, yeah. camera phones, all that stuff. It felt exciting because like, when you look mm. back at the things that were going on at the time, not to yeah. have any of those extra things that were like influencing how kids behave. And when I went back mm. to school, the rec room, which was the kind mm. of heart of the, the house, because yeah. there was a TV in there and a pool table, and no one was in there anymore. It's because all that they've all got internet, and so yeah. it, it it felt a bit sad, really, that they don't have that same experience. God, yeah, that's yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way because yeah, we could, we of course spent the majority of our our time between lessons and lunch hours and after school and you know waiting around for buses and so on, um, talking and debating and laughing, taking the mick out of each other, telling stories sharing sharing thoughts and ideas and and you do wonder what happens now when that doesn't really happen quite as much yeah quite and but you know the fact that they can just test, text each other and know where they are whereas you'd have to go and find someone that's definitely <laughs> well you do don't you but then yeah i, I guess you, you feel old but your reference points are, are, are you know in some respects similar aren't they i think to the younger generation in terms of the, the milestones it's just that the the environment we were in was was much simpler the kind of tech revolution that's happened between 97 and and, and now is the acceleration has been off the scale hasn't it yeah and i think what's weird is is that if you think so we left what 24 years ago and all that's happened since then and how, the way the, the world has changed and how we get news and we get stories and how you kind of share stuff. I always think, so when we left in 97, then the same journey back being in the mid-1970s. In actual fact, yeah, technology had moved on massively, but it wasn't, the, the way people had to go about stuff wasn't that much different. And like I think Josh was saying in one of your other episodes about writing letters to people it was like yeah that yeah all the yeah. time like getting post and stuff was was <laughs> a, a bigger nice thing you know yeah it was it was and you would sit and take the time to to, to read the letter wouldn't you yeah yeah and right. and also take the time to, to write um which yeah. is a slower more thought engaging process isn't it and, yeah and i think totally. that's i think now like I, I i don't know about you but i sometimes get an email and if it's more than a couple of lines long i think don't you know how busy I am? Yeah. <laughs> Why should I take my time to read your <laughs> your musings? <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> whereas I used to love getting a letter that felt pretty weighty through the post, unless it was from Josh and had all kinds of horrible pictures. <laughs> <stuff in it. laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. That's awesome. So, in terms of preparation that school gave you, because like, you know, like I said before, your 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 route and my route into into life post education was was quite different to some people's. Yeah. Do you feel that that environment and that time you spent in, in that part of the world prepares you for what came next yeah and i'm genuinely not just saying this because you're asking the questions but your dad your dad he was the kind of guy that actually had a very I, as he was the kind of perfect balance of he did have a very soft side to him and there was compassion but he knew when to turn the fire on you and you know he used to have this <laughs> i turned the fire on him if you listen to, to episode <laughs> one <laughs> i actually turned the fire on him <laughs> I'm going back to listen to that. Yeah, you should, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about what is your favourite story, and Petrol in the Watering Can is my favourite. <laughs> That's fantastic. One. There you go, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he used to tell people, though, the motto was opt-in, not out. And then I just remember him, I, it was the night of a sixth-form ball, and I hadn't filled in my UCAS form, and the deadline was the next morning, and he was meant to have checked it. 
and he I was getting ready and I just <laughs> remember him coming to my room and pretty much telling me what I needed to hear about me and my attitude. And he was like, where is your UCAS form? Well, what I didn't want him to know is that it was folded up under the leg of my desk to stop it wobbling. <laughs> like the whole I time it. I was like, please don't. Your entire future is propping yeah. up your desk. <laughs> exactly. And I just remember him leaving and saying, you wouldn't go tonight making sure you didn't look immaculate, but it's a shame that the rest of your life you don't care about in the same way. And he just walked out and it, it was, yeah, it was brutal, but I needed to hear it. And it was kind of like a, that realization that anything, you know, that you wanted to do, you had to do it for yourself. You couldn't lean back on other people. And he was, he was absolutely right. And it kind of, there was this, there was an attitude and you could tell the people who kind of learned from it and the people who got left left behind. You know, and I realized when I left and I didn't have many qualifications, if any, and I realized that I was going to have to do it for myself. And yeah, you know, it was hard work, but it's been worth it. Do you think that that spurred you on though, that the fact that you weren't, you were unable to coast, you know, because I, I kind of, you know, coasted through my A-levels a little bit and, did just did just enough to get where I needed to get. Um, I never really had the, the the wolf at the door really driving me. Lots of things seemed to feel quite easy at times, and as a result, I underachieved. And you know, I, I regret some of that sometimes. But I think I, I often wonder whether I just seem to be able to just blunder from one thing to the next without too much drama. That I never actually discovered that energy that other people seem to have. I don't get that. It'll always be all right. And, and just assuming that it would carry on always being all right. But I, I think in a way I'm the same now that I work really well to a deadline. I need something to think this has to be done. I'll always leave everything to the last minute. Lou, we always say, don't we, it wasn't for the last minute, we wouldn't get anything done. Oh my God, that, that's the story of my life. Yeah, last totally. minute, Lou. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> yeah. A few years ago, I'd started dating someone and we've been on about six or seven dates and she came to, this was in town and she came to meet me. She hadn't been working because she was preparing the next morning for this presentation, I think for promotion. And so we went out for a few drinks. I was like, yeah, let's go out for a few more. And she was like, look, I really shouldn't because I've got this presentation in the morning. And we ended up going to this hotel bar. And, we, and I said to her, look, you might as well stay here. You're in town. Then in the morning when you wake up, no, you look great. No one knows what you've been wearing today, so you can go to work and you're really near the office. And so we stayed the night. And the next morning, I ordered breakfast to the room and I had a full English and I had toast and everything. And I put ketchup and brown sauce on my plate. And my knife had beans, brown sauce, ketchup and egg yolk on it. And I wanted to butter some toast. So I picked a napkin off off the floor and I wiped the knife and she just looked at me and said, what have you done? And it wasn't a napkin. It was her white silk blouse yeah. that she'd been wearing. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, so my God. All, all across the front of her top oh, no. was, was all of this mess. I, I, I've got this. And I went into the bathroom and used the hotel shower gel, which also was kind of like a bluey color. And I just made oh, no. this catastrophic <laughs> mess. And I've, I've, ne- I've never seen her since, I'm afraid. I've never seen her since. But I still, like now I can laugh about it. I don't think she probably ever has been able to laugh about it. But there you go. That's amazing. 
That's Did you amazing. find out whether she got the probation or not? <laughs> no, I, I, I kind of thought that I'd leave her to text and because like she was probably pretty angry and that was that. That was that. I hope she's well. That's amazing. And, I, and I'm sure she's told the story as well. So. That's so funny. I wonder if she tells the story with the same tone that you do. <laughs> no, quite. A sense of almost pride. <laughs> so congratulations on the on the newborn, by the way. How's it how's it going? Good. Yeah, I mean she sleeps, so it's kind of yeah, that's the benchmark. It's good. It's it's fine at the moment. I mean, everything takes a little bit longer. I haven't ironed a shirt in about well, I haven't needed to with lockdown, but like the first time I went back to the office felt a bit weird. But yeah, really good. You you realise that all that sleep before it was just a little bit of a luxury, really. Yeah, it's when you have a child, when, when you hear people who don't have children say or they say that they're tired, you, you just kind of look right through them in that you have no idea what, no. You, what you were talking about sort of sort of look, don't you? They don't know even the first thing about tiredness. No, and about general stuff around the house. Just I remember on NCT, them saying your house will be a tip. No, they are, as a rule, they're pretty right. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, completely. It's good fun. completely, but there are also those moments where you catastrophically fail as well. The mask of competence slips, don't they? As someone who's obviously aggressively not a parent, I thought I'd just relate to you a story about how it looks from the outside. I periodically come come over to the UK, and uh, this one time I came over, so nearly coming on nearly ten years ago now. Actually, Matt was kind enough to suggest we meet up for lunch and introduce me to his kids. So many memories. I'm like back in London, and it was a really like nice day, and it was awesome, really nice. And it was over. In, it was over in Kensington. Actually. Kensington. Okay. Anyway, it was awesome. Yeah. We had such a nice day, and it was like walk down memory lane. And and Matt had his two kids there. They obviously they were much younger. And, and I and I kind of observed like how Matt was like controlling his kids, and I thought it was like wow, man, that's a whole skill set that I just don't have. Matt turned to go to walk to the station. And that's when I saw it. <laughs> so he didn't realize this. <laughs> but everybody else did. Right? And now he's going to learn, right? Oh, man. <laughs> so, so, so Matt's jacket on his back had a, I mean, it looked like, you know how when they, you know how when there's been a particularly violent murder, they bring in <laughs> they bring in a blood splatter specialist, right? Yeah. Who can look at the blood spray on like a wall, say, and figure out how the killing had, had gone down, right? Like how the arterial burst yeah. had like, you know. <laughs> so imagine so instead of that wall, imagine Matt's new jacket, but with ketchup and mustard. Right. Yeah. And Andy turned around. And to me, and said, "Shall we tell him?" <laughs> and I looked at the sight of Matt walking towards the tube station with one kid in each hand, covered with comestibles. And I said to Andy, "No, <laughs> let him walk. That's brilliant. Let him walk. Let, let him walk. Yeah, that was very funny, but." Yeah, thanks for your support, Matt. It you was know, very yeah. funny. Um, it was a real moment of clarity for me because I realised in that moment I probably don't have what it takes to be a parent. Problem is, is you often don't realise you don't have what it takes until it's too late. Right. That, that's the problem. I think. Well, I'm I'm willing to like not learn it. I think probably the biggest parenting fail. I've had a number of them over the years, but probably 
the worst of the lot. So, uh, uh, Johnny, t- take note of this because this could, could yeah, yeah. well be you one day. So, yeah, I, I, I was taking Christian, um, who at the time was a, was a baby, probably, you know, no more than six, six to eight months, I reckon. Taking him for just to, just to get some, get out of the house. Uh, and there's this garden centre uh, called Bridgemere oh, Garden World. Yeah, <laughs> Bridgemere Garden World. That's, um, it's about... It's about ten miles or so from from where I live. It's quite a nice drive, and you know, Bridgemere Garden Wheel is great because you can have a there's a little soft play area, and you can have a cup of tea and you know, look, look around the the potted begonias and so on. Like one of the most important checks you do before leaving the house is, you know, do I have the, the changing bag? And Matt, you know, Matt, you, you know, in a changing bag, a parenthood survival kit changing bag. It's like one of everything you own. Yeah, it is. It's like it's like in a defibrillator. Bag. For, for parenthood without it you're, you're dead basically it's, when you're on your own it's fine but when there's two of you you always assume the other person's got it or whatever so i don't know i, p- I picked up christian's school bag or whatever rather than the changing bag for, for, for evelyn and um yeah i got to got to the, nine times out of ten you don't really need it it's just it's just there if, if you do and on this occasion yeah it's, it's, there was some kind of cataclysmic explosion in in evelyn's nappy it was one of those where you can't work out how she's not just an empty sack because she's it, it, her, everything in her is emptied into her nappy, down her leg, up her back. You know, oh. there's basically crap dripping everywhere, all over, all over me, all over the floor, all over her. <laughs> and you, you, you know, you take into the to, to, to the changing facilities, which are horrible at the best of time. And it's like, where do I start? I mean, literally, where do I start? I've had a pressure washer. <laughs> it was. It would still not be enough, you know. It was like literally. If I could just, if I could just put her in a in a boil wash for an hour, we might get some of it out, you know. It's horrendous. And of course, the, the changing bag wasn't the changing bag, so it was like, oh my god, what now, mate? <laughs> Seriously, and like literally, I, I just had nothing, and all, all I could think to do was, I had in my back pocket a a, a, a carrier bag um, that I that I you know I, I was using for something or other. I just filled it with um, with napkins, <laughs> tore a couple of holes in the bottom of it for her legs, and just <laughs> tied it up around her waist, and, had, and just came out of the loo with this you know, naked toddler, <laughs> save for a Sainsbury's carrier bag and a ton of napkins. It was like, yeah, living the dream, dad of the fucking year. I tell you. <laughs> you're like dad, you're like world's greatest dad. <laughs> <laughs> I just basically mentally don't think I have what it takes to be a dad because no. because I'm just I just don't think I have the psychological makeup for it because in that situation I would fucking freak out. I, I just don't know what I would do. Like I don't I wouldn't be that resourceful. You, you have to think think laterally, definitely. Yeah. Have you have you had any any of those yet, Johnny? Uh, no, I'm quite lucky. I kind of I've well I've had the kind of middle of the night, luckily, just at the changing table when you gag through the smell mm. and they're just like oh god <laughs> oh dude where do i, I just, start i'm so right in my decision not to have <laughs> <laughs> when you're the guy that doesn't have a kid you're always the cool uncle right mm-hmm. the kids love you because you like show up and watch frozen with them <laughs> you bring chewing gum when chewing gum's not allowed oh yeah, yeah. I might smoke some cigarettes and drink some port, you know. You're like, hey, who wants to get a pizza? You know, you're like, you know, you're like the cool guy, you know. And it's like, it's great for your like, 
pathetic self-esteem. You are the last person in the world that I thought I'd ever hear say, and then we'd watch Frozen. I, I don't know what's just made me think of this, but there's someone who we went to school with who I won't name because this is too harsh. But <laughs> who, We've never stopped any any is, people on this yeah, podcast no, about it being this, too harsh. The, the, Go for like, it, Johnny. This is one of my proudest post-school kind of like uh, revenge is best served cold. Right. When we were at school, he kept going on about this this girl, this fit girl in a in a band who he really fancied and was being quite explicit about his thoughts about this girl. And this went on and on and on. And he couldn't remember the name of the band. And it finally came out. It's like, it's the blonde one from that band. And it turned out that the band was handsome and we had to break it that it was a boy band, right? <laughs> and like, that was mortifying enough. Five years ago, I was um, with some mates in Birmingham at Edgbaston watching the cricket. And this guy <laughs> didn't recognize me. And he was on his stag do. And they got him pretty pissed. And they sent him to the other side of the ground. And the guy who was his best man turned around and said, guys, I'm starting to write my speech. I need more stories about him. And I've got none. And as we were leaving the ground, that guy happened to be on his way back from the bar. And I said to him, is that name of person? And so I told him the Hanson story. And if he hadn't been holding pints, he would have hugged and kissed me. And I just walked off into the sunset. <laughs> I, my work here is done. Traffic Island Discs. It, just to kind of recap, the idea of Traffic Island Discs is it's a complete rip-off of the BBC. Um, sorry, you know, don't tell your employers. There's a, probably an HR policy about this sort of thing. But the idea is, is that we look back through music to the period of time when we were all in Taunton together and songs that remind us of good times, of, of that period of our lives, songs that perhaps remind us of each other as well, um, and something that really means something to you from, from very much from that period. And then the last thing was, if there was one day you could relive, what would it be? So, track one, um, Gangster's Paradise. Uh, oh, wow. It, it, yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? No, I didn't. Not <laughs> at all, actually. <laughs> it, Love it. It, like, it, I, it just takes me back to like that for me, I think, because when did that come out? Kind of 95? That was, all, it always seems to be on repeat everywhere. And I can smell links Africa and various kind of <laughs> mid nineties kind of smells and and that and Jamiroquai virtual insanity because that video like MTV used yes. to be on kind of all the time on loop, and that yeah. video with the floor those were the things that now when you look at it I'm like yeah that that takes me right back to Taunton and if I could relive a night like in the upper six one of those summer nights there's not a specific one but when people were out. Yeah, so that kind of that kind of just takes me back to then. And somewhere in my parents' house, I reckon still mm. is my school hymn book that has got a spine missing and a dent out of it from mm. it being thrown across like various classrooms and it tells a story of like <laughs> school and it's got like the, the brown kind of like sweat marks down the down the spine of the pages from kind of like the mm. fear of the day ahead. And that oh, kind of just takes me yeah. back to the good old sing of a hymn before before school in the morning. And I don't think they do that okay. anymore. And I'm not They're even not. religious. 
No, I don't think they do, and I'm not even religious, but I no, do think either. that like that start of the day was just kind yeah. of it's quite nice. Well, this is the time of the show we call Mansplains. So how do you feel when um, people ask you to read their scripts? How do you feel when someone punches you in the stomach? <laughs> right? Firstly, they're asking you because they're not a professional. I should just step back for a second and be as brief as possible and just say the, the job that I do is one of the jobs in the world that nobody respects. And what I mean by that is that no one, no one wants to think that being an artist is a, is a profession. They want to think of it as a calling, a, a, like a, a mystical thing that happens to you. Nobody <laughs> wants to think it's a job that you learn, like being a carpenter. We, you just sit and make stuff up, don't you? Listen, it's pretty it's, straightforward. The thing is, what I do is I sit and make stuff up, right? <laughs> but, to, but to be able to sit and make stuff up, how much has gone into it? so that I can do that. So when somebody asks you to read a script, they're asking you because they're not a professional, right? And they probably want to get into the business. Maybe they just had a moment of creativity in their lives, you know, and they, they wrote a script, which is awesome. And, and so whatever happens, they're asking you from a very vulnerable place. Without knowing it, they're asking you to respect the fact that they're coming to you from a vulnerable place. Maybe they just want you to read their script. But here's where the problem comes in, right? You can do one of two things when someone asks you to read a script, and both are equally problematic, but you can only choose one of these two. The first thing you can do is go, I like this person, they're really nice, and I don't want to hurt their feelings. And so whatever they've done, I'm going to say is, I really enjoyed it. And they're going to know right away I'm bullshitting them. Because (laughs) even if I do enjoy it, I'll withhold the kind of thing that I would say to another professional if they shared their work with with me, right? But by the way, a script, just like a painting that's written by someone who's not a professional, you can tell right away. Because it would be a bit like someone doing a brain surgery with no training. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is it because it just ends with, and it was all a dream? (laughs) No, I'm kind of stressed out. I'm kind of stressed out. I'm kind of like stressed Dallas. out in my life. Yeah. You know, um, I've sort of, my job's not fulfilling me. So I've decided, I've made a decision, Matt. I've made a decision. I decided I always wanted to be a brain surgeon. So here's what I've done. I've scheduled a few operations and I'm just going to give it a go. You know, I'm a brain surgeon now. Someone who's written a script that's, it's coming from a place of non-professionalism. Invariably, it's going to be a similar result because you're just going to realize right away. Sure. And so people are not dumb, right? They know when you're bullshitting them. Oh, I loved it. Really good. Good luck. Because the, the problem is then is that they go, always, here's the, here's the follow-up question. Can you send it to someone that you know? And the answer is then is going to be no. And no. then they will want yeah. to know, well, why can't you? So here's the second course of action is that you take the script, you give them proper, what we call in the, in the industry, notes. Give them proper notes for about five pages. And, it, and by the way, that, that's between 
one to two to three days of full-time work. And what will happen is I'll give this back to them and they won't like it. And they won't quite understand where I was coming from. Otherwise, they're not a professional. They won't understand some of what I'm saying. It's not because I'm so clever. It's just because it's, it would be like if you took your car into the dealership and did a mechanics job and then the mechanic came back at you with a technical report of what was wrong with it. You'd be like, I don't understand. Well, it's the same with a script because a script is like a piece of machinery. Okay, it's a device for emotional manipulation, creating the illusion that we call a story that everyone can enjoy. And so invariably, this is the response. You write these notes down and you say how they can improve it. I always make sure I'm never critical. I always just tell people how they can improve things. And inevitably, it always, always, always backfires on you hugely. Because what happens is that person reads it and gets offended. And they, they think you've criticized them. Actually, I, I, you're never criticizing them. And they inevitably then don't talk to you for months, right? And you discover that from a co-acquaintance, you discover that I'm an asshole from somebody else. Always, always. <laughs> you know? because, because the simple answer is the following. You, you made a valiant attempt, but because you haven't done X number of years of professional training, it's obvious. And it would be the same if you took your car into a mechanic and an amateur mechanic worked on it. Or if you scheduled some brain surgery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I have a frontal lobotomy, please? And the reason why I suppose this is the rant, it gets to something that's a bigger cultural thing, right? That I don't think many people are aware of. Everybody loves to have opinions about stories, about TV. Full-time job, making things up, as you put it, Matt, is exactly why I've done it. Broken relationships financial instability, all this stuff. But it's my responsibility. But the simple fact is that you never get over is that nobody respects it. So you don't want to read my script then, basically. (laughs) 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 Meh, this is Lou's Reviews. (laughs) I think tonight's episode requires the silly jingle rather than the serious one, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well probably yeah <laughs> so the first one is from barney and elsa from nunflitch and they say we have listened with mild interest and have even chortled once or twice over the week however sirs and madam with your latest episode remembering prince philip you have gone too far promoting bestiality well never in our lives have we heard such vileness and depravity shame on you all and as for halloumi and strawberry jam, bourgeois philistines, disgusted from <laughs> So I, I want to clear something up, right? So I listened back to that yeah. episode. There was definitely no reference to, to that on that particular episode. We might have been a bit mean to dogs occasionally. Um, I think it was probably based mm. on the fuck cats. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, I see. Uh, yeah, that's probably. So, in Matt's absence, we can just throw him under a bus here and say, "Us four, we stand together against all forms of animal cruelty." Absolutely, that's an emphatic. Yes, hell yes, oh yes. <laughs> but just as importantly, as well, though, can I just clear something up? Did we really propose halloumi and jam? 
Yeah, that too. Who is this reviewer? I mean, I feel like some fusion cooking liberties have been taken. I had to listen back, actually, to get the reference right. Um, But it was where Matt B was talking about carveries and the greyhound in Staple Fitzpain and that perhaps you might have a starter of halloumi and strawberry jam. Oh, I see. Stand, Stand corrected. There we go. They're really picking a few holes here, aren't they? They are. I think they're fixating on on small details when the overall effect was perhaps different. Should have gone for marmalade instead. What is the difference between marmalade and jam? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Sorry, what's that joke, Matt? Is that what you're referencing? <laughs> so the next review says, I have been only once to Taunton and it seemed very nice. At the time, there was a gift shop that sold very beautiful rustic wedding confetti, comprised largely of organic petals and flower heads. I bought a lot of this, and at the wedding, hurled it around lavishly with gay abandon. I was accused of throwing gravel and, in effect, stoning the happy couple. (laughs) 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 The podcast, as someone in their dotage, I really wasn't sure whether this would be my thing. I found it truly appalling, thought-provoking, interesting and genuinely funny. I have discovered beneath the irreverence and general mayhem painful honesty and material that I could actually relate to. I have also laughed out loud many times. Yes, I really do like it, although I find some of the animal stuff a bit traumatic. (laughs) Also, I'm not too sure about the opening title sequence thing. As your hot tap sounds a bit like someone having a wee. Was it? <laughs> well, it, it's funny, actually, because the reference... So I, I think we can say this. Yeah, so I think we can say this. So we're not, not going to name anybody. We're, we're big rugby fans. And there's a legendary premiership rugby club, who, which I'm not going to name. Apparently, and I don't, nobody knows how true this is, they have an initiation ceremony. So all the senior players that will stand on the benches either side of the, uh, the changing rooms and the new recruits will crawl along the floor and then they turn on the hot taps and that's where the, the reference comes from. Anyway, I think Josh definitely deserves a silly jingle tonight as well after oh, the no. craziness. Over to you, Joshua. Introducing the legend behind the advert, Thomas The inspiration for the hit show Archer, son of Frank Drebin and a man whose hair is so good it makes Vidal Sassoon weep. This is Josh with... Yeah. You know, as ever. It's fantastic as ever. Right. I mean, I've got to say, I've trawled through uh, Taunton Matters a bit this week. This is one of those weeks where, it was like a couple of weeks ago, sometimes it's unbelievable the stuff that people are posting up. It's just pure, ridiculous comedy. And sometimes it's just some serious stuff. And I feel like this time, Taunton Matters is more serious. But I will say there's a recurring theme. This is coming from quite a few people. There's a lot of anger, I would say, among the citizens of Taunton about the traffic and how bad it is. And there's there's like a couple of this guy called John Hunt, who's just literally, he's got a big orange background, just says traffic, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And then another guy called Phil Hill talking about lots of unhappy people in Taunton today with the town virtually gridlocked as work starts on the road junctions near the new apartments development in the former Quantock house. Anyway, this is kind of repeating itself uh, across the the group. So I'd say, yeah, there's anger 
we're feeling anger today in Taunton due to the traffic. This is coming in from Bethan Turner, who's from the Taunton Neighbourhood Policing. And she's saying bike marking takes only a few minutes and allows anyone for free to have their bike serial number added to the police database. So should it ever end up going missing and subsequently found, it can be returned to you. So, um, you know, bear that in mind. There's someone here who's asked such a general question. Is it lazy? Does anyone know where my wife and myself can go for lunch tomorrow? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, people are engaging with this. There's 46 comments, one of which is a name I recognise, suggesting the uh, the Greyhound at Staple Fitz Payne. Um, <laughs> apparently it's not open yet, but, you know, worth heading out there, checking it out, having a look through the windows. Speaking of windows, here's one after Johnny's Heart from a guy called Ben Goddard. Can anyone recommend a window cleaning company that also does gutters uh, that covers central Taunton? I'd rather the hand cleaning type with a ladder rather than the poles operated from the ground for the windows. So I don't know, Johnny, yeah. can you get down um, there this weekend maybe? Ben, I'll be in touch. I'm just stepping into the car now with a full tank of, of detergent. <laughs> and um, I can let you know that no machines with us. Everything is a hand job. I promise you. It's um, all done really well. So. That's a, beautiful. We need Duppy Media in here now. You know, <laughs> actually, speaking of Duppy Media, do you, he's in the process of making you your own business cards, Johnny. He's actually created. A, this is true, right? No. He sent me proof no. of no. yeah of Johnny's window cleaning services with a really really quite cool avatar oh, that, yeah. that just screams Johnny and Johnny's windows. It's oh know, man, it's oh. cool, man. Well, I feel like it's Christmas Eve. I'm I'm quite excited to to see them. I mean, yeah, I might have to walk the walk now. Now that someone else has talked the talk for me. But all I can say to Ben Goddard is your prayers have been answered. Yeah. There'll be help soon to clean your windows. It's quite a cool story. You probably aren't aware that Taunton is the hometown of Paralympic hopeful Jamie Edwards, wheelchair racer. Jamie is currently training full-time in Surrey with Paralympian David Weir, CBE. So it'd be great if you could follow Jamie's page and show your support. If Jamie makes it, it will really put a positive light on Taunton. He went to the Castle School and Richard Hewish. You can also catch Jamie being interviewed every other Wednesday morning on BBC Radio Somerset's breakfast show in the run-up to the Paralympics starting this week. So that's a cool story. Oh, so that's that's nice. get, get that's behind awesome. Good luck. Jamie Edwards. Yeah, yeah, let's hope he makes good it. Luck, Jamie. Yeah, that's brilliant. Great to hear. That would be yeah. brilliant. That's great. Bringing some sporting excellence to Taunton. There's quite a lot of stuff about cats this week again. Oh, God. And I hate to do this to, to you know, <laughs> bear in mind our recent reviews. But, I mean, all I'm doing is reporting what's going on with the people of Taunton. Someone's reporting that they found a dead cat by the side of the road. Does anyone recognize it they haven't sent a photo but they said um <laughs> it, they, they said if it if it's still there on their way home they'll take it to a vet <laughs> sounds hopeful i don't know if there are any vets who are that good in somerset but you know oh, wow. let's <laughs> let's see what happens I told you this week wasn't that exciting all right well that takes us to the end of this rather ridiculous episode we hope you enjoyed it this week's taunton business shout out goes to lose sweets and treats in wellington Lou noticed a gap in the market and set up her own sweets and treats business. Even better, Lou will deliver for free or for orders of over £10. So head over to Facebook and find out more. So far the feedback has been fantastic. This was straight from the hot tap.